You're listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, and my name is Rog. Stay with me as I invite sexuality specialists to join me in doing our best to answer your questions about sex. Topics range from simple through to the ridiculously complex. So long as it somehow relates to sex, it's up for grabs. Please be mindful that some topics might be great stuff for younger people to listen to, and some might not. Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of workshops on related topics in Australia. Find Curious Creatures and submit your questions for us to answer at curiouscreatures.biz. And today we're joined by Lorraine Pintelo. Hello, how do you like to be described, Lorraine? Hi, Rog. Um, I'm a somatic sex educator with a background in erotic dancing. Great. And Charlotte Sway. Charlotte, how do you like to be described? So, I'm a fetish escort and an experiential erotic educator. Wonderful. Welcome. Uh, Today we've got a sweet, innocent, easy little question. The question is, why are men such fucking dicks? Mm. (laughs) Topical. (sighs) So controversial. So perhaps before we before we dive into what our thoughts are, like, what do we imagine this person's talking about? Um, like, I imagine they might be talking about the dating scene. I might, I imagine they might be talking about frustration in relationship life. Um, mm. I don't know, men in public, are they talking about violence and rape? Um, are they talking about politicians? Are they talking about manspreading on trains? Behavioural issues. Yeah. <laughs> Behavioural issues. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah. That's giving me a twitch in my hip, that question. <laughs> um, talk from the twitch. What's going on there? Why is it, what's the twitch? What's the twitch about with this question? Oh, I'm feeling a resistance to wanting to answer it. I'm not really, that's such a sweeping comment um, mm. to dismiss a whole gender like that. Um, mm. The question is horrible. Yes. And also like, to align that sort of position with the male anatomy as yeah. well. It's very yeah. derogatory. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like it says, like it's not why are all men such fucking dicks, but you can hear it in the background, why are all mm-hmm. men such fucking dicks? So a whole demographical category of people have been swept into one particular category and one particular set of experiences. Yeah, I like, like Charlotte said, using the word dick. I don't like using that as a derogatory word as well, and it's obviously being used here. Like, I, I like dicks. Right. Uh, I, I like really, fucking I, dicks. I, I like dicks a lot, too. <laughs> All sorts of dicks. Good catch. Mm-hmm. I also it's, really like it when people are being dicks because it's kind <laughs> of funny and cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's such a good catch because... I, I have the um, the joy of reading these questions before you do, and so I've I've had had a chance to have my little reactions to this question. Um, I identify as someone that has a dick, and I didn't even catch that little bit of gendered negative criticism in there about that. Thank you for that catch. Mm. Mm-hmm. Also, I guess um, while we're in the cringe state, um, I want to acknowledge whatever experiences and circumstances led the person that asked this question to ask such a strongly worded uh, question. I I don't know. Uh, I'm dreading. Obviously driven by a range of extreme experiences, yeah. um, which you can't just sweep under the carpet and excuse or say that they didn't happen. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah. there, there are... 
are often founded reasons why people have these sorts of sweeping statements. Mm. Um, but the generalizations yeah. that are cast in that uh, do a really big injustice to everybody. Yeah. Mm. I feel sorry in two directions. I'm sorry about the experiences that have happened to the person that asked this question, and I'm sorry for the people that are on the receiving end of this question. That are now mm. alienated and... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, shall we try and answer the question now? <laughs> How hard can it be, right? <laughs> so, who, who would like to begin? Why are men such fucking dicks? <laughs> I think I need to stick a few breaths on right. this one. I'm, um, yeah, maybe, maybe we could just like um, reframe the question a little bit to make it a little more answerable. Why do you think that sometimes some men have some behavioural challenges? Mm-hmm. Can we improve on that? Yeah, that's, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, I like that question. Uh, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of, you know, still patronising and still putting, you know, men into almost like a childlike mm. position in relation to the poser of the question. Um, look, I'll, I'll start the conversation because I tend to have some fairly. Uh, controversial opinions about such things. Like, there, there's no denying that patriarchy has swept the majority of the planet and it has had really crap implications, effects across the, the globe. Like, I don't dispute that mm. for one second. With that have become behavioural norms, expectations of behaviour, etc., that are embedded in our culture and and other cultures with slight variations or vast variations, but nonetheless, the patriarchal culture has defined certain behaviours. I feel like part of it is a gap in mutual understanding and communication mm -hmm. um, between the genders, if we're going for this gender binary great, version of the story. Great caveat to note. When we are brought up to be a particular gender, we have particular behaviours imposed upon us. And not everybody challenges those expectations of gender behaviour. So when you, when you don't challenge those expectations and then you've just assumed this identity and then this whole... you, you have negative associations with certain people... Um, it's very easy to lump them all together into the same group as a way of identifying them to simplify the the, the problem or the the behaviours that are apparent to you, um, which which is unfair. And so, what do you think? Like, like going going with your model and words as much as I can. What do you think the patriarchy has done to produce, uh, like? We're agreeing it's not the whole group, but some men that behave like have some behavioural challenges some of the time. Well, often, like an off, a common complaint is they just don't know how to communicate, and part of that is because within our gender identities, women across the board have been given better skills at communicating, and men have 
not. Like they've they've been forced into roles of being stoic, being macho, being the the breadwinner, etc. And the the interpersonal development hasn't been nurtured there. And so I find it difficult to expect men to be good communicators if culturally we haven't actually educated them in how to do that. So it's a bit like, like, please correct me if I'm understanding you wrong here, but is it a bit like criticising a man for not having communication skills is a bit like criticising a woman because she's not good with power tools? Yeah, I mean, that's a very simplistic version of it's it. It's ridiculously and a simple. horribly gendered version Horribly gendered, binary, um, simplified. Um, and I know that there's a lot more blurry territory now than there was, say, 50 years ago. But, um, but I still think the residue of those gendered behaviours are present. I was completely enthralled with your answer. That was amazing, and I, I, I totally agree with, with all the points that you brought up. Um, yeah, how to answer this question? And I can only speak from my own experience. Um, and I think I'd probably, to be able to answer the question properly, I probably need the specifics of the particular instance that this person is talking about or instances instances yeah something's driven them to to ask that in that moment and I'd, I'd want to speak to to that so I can only really speak from my experience of when I've experienced men not behaving in a way that I found very nice or very constructive I don't want to say fucking dicks which, yeah. uh, you know, women often do that too. Once upon a time, I probably would have done. I like, I like your approach, and it's true. You are like uh, completely authorised to speak for your own story. I, l- I like the way you've reclaimed that and looking at it in mm. your own terms, because we don't know much about this, this particular person's question. No, and, and I think sort of my views don't fit the, the general norm on these um, topics as well. I really like the point that you made, Charlotte, about these stereotypes that are... The, they're pushed on us. We, you know, we, we're born um, with a particular set of genitals and then we popped into a box, whether we fit into that box or not. And then we're raised um, expecting to fit into these you know, descriptive um, set of um, ways of being that don't necessarily suit us. I read somewhere, I don't know if it's true or not, but I did, I did read somewhere on the internet um, where the figures of... of uh, suicide rates for cis hetero men are, are the highest because they don't get the support. They don't. They don't get to talk. They're raised to be quiet and suck it up. And if anything's wrong, then they go down the pub. So that if, if we're going to generalise and we're going to use stereotypes like this person has, yeah, um, that's that's the one that seems to come up a lot. And if you don't. If you're if you're faced with challenges in life and you don't have the supports or skills or tools to deal with it, it's gonna explode one way or another. Like so, suicide is one way that mm. that could explode, and then also exploding out at others is yeah. another plausible way. So I see what you're saying, and that that does come some of the way around to explaining why some men behave badly some of the time. Yeah, are they taking themselves out of the equation? Um, yeah. That when the when I started to feel into my body and think about the question. Um, that was that was the feeling I was getting from it, that absence and the going down to the pub and being a bit of a dick, larking around. Um, and when, when I've experienced that, um, 
like you said before, Charlotte, that, that's a lack of communication skills. Someone who can't say, look, this is bothering me. Look, I'm upset about this. They've been internalizing that and nicking off down the pub and getting out of the way because they can't talk to me about it. So, yeah, I, I think putting these gender stereotypes in people is, is very harming. Um, and just trying to bring some communication in mm. and really giving, giving men a, a, a space to talk about it and letting them know that it's all right. They're still going to be a man if they talk about their feelings rather than exploding, nicking down the pub or, you know, doing something a little bit more extreme. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for broadening out our definition of what is acceptable male behaviour. Mm. Yeah. I, I really agree. Uh, the conditioning thing and the socialisation thing I think is just huge. I think men, like all of us, we're all products of our conditioning and the way we socialise our men folk in this culture, in a lot of cultures, is that it does not include much of a focus on relationship skills or communication or emotional fluidity or even arguably subtlety. Um, they're all skills, like the sense of a admitting that you have a problem and that you need help, uh, whilst we still have that framed as something which is unmanly, um, we're screwed. This problem's just going to keep on going forever and ever. Uh, and on those occasions where men do speak up, um, sometimes we do it on an individual level, but on a broader cultural level, we tend to at the moment say, no, shut up, we're dealing with the real problems at the moment. You can take your little men-sized problems away and we'll get to that once we've gotten through the real problematic actual stuff. And besides, you're taking up more space already. You've taken yeah, up so much space you already. You, you're the privileged, yeah. patriarchal yeah. person. Can, yeah, mm. can you stop pretending that you've got the problems? So that's how we keep doing that thing. Like on an individual level, I think many of us have gotten better at... Um, encouraging individuals, say, like boys, to cry, for instance. Mm. Um, but on a cultural broad level, we are still massively saying to men, no, shut up, you don't have real problems, uh, often in a really harsh kind of a way. So I think, um, I think it's not the individual men that are the problem, although, to be really clear, individual men are absolutely responsible for their actions and need to be held account. I'm definitely not letting anyone off the hook for individual actions. However... As a broad category, I think this is, this is a statement about, this is more of a commentary on how we are failing to socialise men in a good way and how we are failing to put our spotlight on that. And how can we invite men to behave better? Like if, if they are failing us, like, you know, yeah, putting question. them down and, and mm. making them feel shit about themselves because of the way they're behaving isn't really going to encourage them to want to do better. Like... Let's open up the, the, the positive um, yeah. so I'm just about cycle. To, I'm just about to use my sarcastic font. <laughs> so are you saying that shaming and ridicule don't actually help someone to improve? End sarcastic font. <laughs> That's precisely what I'm saying. <laughs> so I love your question. What can we do towards positively leading men towards more positive models and solutions and so forth? Sorry to, like, swing massively into the positive without warning. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, 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 furthering what you were saying, yes, it still is the individual's responsibility to acknowledge that we, every single person has a responsibility for self-improvement, for addressing themselves and the things that they do to, to enrich their relationships for a more satisfying, harmonious life with anybody and everybody, regardless of gender or 
culture, etc. But certainly, number one is just frame it in the positive. Uh, offer offer positive invitations to communicate rather than slamming people for what they're mm, not yeah. doing well. Mm. Yeah, I, I come back to, um, so I, I know that I used the power tool example before and I know it's like so cliche and so binary and so oversimplified, but one of my particular little passions in life is um, transferring my power tool skills to people who haven't been socialized with power tool skills. Like, I just love it. It brings me so much joy when people cross gender lines every time. Mm. And, um, oh my God, the amount of, um, uh, s like softness and positivity and gentle breaking the product down and not blaming the person for not already being good at the particular skill and nurturing them towards that. Like, it just has to be done so slowly and carefully and piece by piece and gently. Uh, yeah, so too it is with men, is my point, mm. with, with, with communication. As opposed to, like, slamming someone because they're not already good at something that they've never been taught. Mm. Mm. Maybe having more spaces that are not defined by gender in which we are all free to talk about things intimately. Because this division of gender then cultures us to take our problems and take our gripes and grievances to our specific binary gendered groups as opposed to sitting together and and sharing stories, sharing strategies, sharing intimacies which builds relationship, builds understanding, mm. builds oh, compassion. I, I'm so touched by what you're saying. Sorry Lorraine, I want to come to your ideas in just a second, but um, I'm so touched by it. I feel like um, as someone that was socialized male uh, there was a point in time 20 years ago where I made a list of the skills I did not have, which were most of the ones we're talking about. Communication skills, let's just broadly say, and I really said about proactively seeking to get them. I feel like I've got them now, but looking back, or I've, I've substantially got them now, but looking back, um, for so many of those years, all I had was a sense of what I was missing out on, a sense that the people around me, socialised women, had and I couldn't quite work out where they were getting those skills from. It took me ages to work out it was because there were spaces that I was not invited to or spaces that if I was invited to them, the space completely changed uh, because of mm. that gender thing. So I love, like it just so touches me what you're talking about in terms of making some of our gender specific spaces more accessible to everyone. Mm. Uh, Lorraine, what are your thoughts on how we can positively draw men towards better behaviour? Um, well, speaking from my own experience, again, um, a few years ago when I was still working in the, the strip clubs, I noticed that um, we were getting a lot of grumpy guys coming in and a lot of the girls' response, including my own, was to just say, you know, fuck off, leave me alone, get out of the club if you don't like it. And I noticed the impact that this was having not only on the person who had the interaction, but everyone around them. There was this, this negative feeling in the club. The guys weren't enjoying themselves. The girls weren't enjoying themselves. We weren't making money. They weren't having dances. And just this, this general negative feeling was carrying out throughout the club. So I thought, how can I change this? And initially it was just, how can I change this so I have a great night? That was my first response. And then I started to think about it. Well, if I'm having a great night, my customers are having a great night. And that can spread the same way as the negativity did. So my experiment was whenever I had a grumpy customer who like put his hand in my face or refused to say hello or tell me to get fucked or whatever it was that he said, I'd just smile and say, well, what's wrong? What, what, what's happening for you? Oh. 
And some of the reactions that I, I received from that were, were just mind-blowing. Like there was one guy who, and this happened to me a few times, varying amounts of money, who just burst into tears, said thank you, and thrust a $50 note in my hand and ran out the door. Wow. And when that happened, it, it just blew my mind, and I was I, I was in tears too by the end of it. And it made his day, it made my day, and then I was talking to the other girls, and they had a really positive experience from that. So then after I'd tried that a couple of times, it became a challenge for me. Whenever any of the girls went, oh, he's a dick over there, I'd be like, right, which one? Mm. Let me add him, let me see what I can do. And a lot of the time... I'd end up having these wonderful conversations with these guys. They'd end up maybe having a couple of dances with me. And it, it became um, more of a thing about me finding out the story behind this guy, finding out what made him a dick. Um, and getting to the bottom of it, and not necessarily to make any money and have a great night myself. I was just curious, and I really wanted to to help these guys find out what, what their problem was. Wow. Yeah. And, that's just that's it's it's turned around for me, and that's that's kind of how I do my work now. I want to help people with their problems. If they come in grumpy, I want to find out why they're grumpy, where they're feeling that in their body, and 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 bringing turning it around. And this can be really once you get your head around it, easy to do in a workplace because mm. these people are strangers, and you've got your work head on, and your boundaries are really really tight at work in the home. If it's your partner who's grumpy, it can be really difficult. And I experience this myself still now, even being embodied and bringing that into my relationship. It can be hard with, with a partner and especially with family members, parents especially. Wow. <laughs> Such a great story, Lorraine. Thank yeah, you. I, I really resonate with that. I find that um, in my my work as a sex worker, like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of shit that's cast on male clients for being dicks mm. and I kind of like to to approach it similarly to you it's like well if I treat them like a dick then they're going to treat me like a dick so yeah. if I treat them well then they'll treat me well as well and it's just yeah it's a great mm. great story wow I, I love the compassion and the positive regard that's in it and the seeing the person as an individual with an individual story uh, I just love it I want to be you when I grow up <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that you're running Sensual Touch. That's great for the world. And also, if it works out one day that you wind up running the country, that'd be great too. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, this being a podcast about sex, I would like to elevate this conversation to be about sex as well, Mm -hmm. more specifically. So, if we dream into this, if we imagine why... So, let let me frame this question carefully. Why are... Some men sometimes badly behaved in relationship to sex, or why are some men not great at sex, or a question something like that. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts on that in particular? Um, I could. Yeah. <laughs> for for me, it's pretty similar. Um, I think the standard refrain is that men have access to a great deal of sex and sex education and sexual priority and sexual privilege. I think I wouldn't say necessarily sex education, but mm. but but well, I um, wouldn't say any of those things. Like <laughs> encouragement towards sex. Yeah, I think I think yeah 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 we are primed and pumped for sex yes. or something like that. But I feel like there's incredibly little substance there. Uh, in terms of how to be sex, how to do sex, how to do sex well. Like, I feel, I, I feel like through so much of my teens and twenties, I was charged, but 
no no substance mm. um, which is an incredibly frustrating thing to go through because you have this constant sense like you are failing and you are not good at something that you are meant to be good at and meant to be measured at and is meant to be part of your privilege so it's this really weird little inversion uh, and even when I looked at the materials and marketing and magazines that are pitched towards men um, so much of it was a projection of sex onto the other. So this is all t totally a heterosexual framework, and particularly if we're talking about the men's magazines, I can remember at the time, they're all about how to please a woman kind of stuff. But it's just still so little of it with much substance and so little emphasis. Uh, that There's some stuff in there these days around consent, i.e. Mm -hmm. guys have got to get this consent stuff right because, you know, don't be a dick, which is a great message to be sure. But in terms of consent and communication as a path towards the greatest sex you're going to have and how to use your communication skills and all that sort of stuff, um, phew, there's just so little information out there pitched at dudes. Yeah. I think um, if we're going to generalise, I do feel like it's oh, getting are, better. We are deeply in generalisation territory. Yeah. I <laughs> it feels to me like it is getting better. So. I think there is an aspect of... of, of of generation coming into this, um, if I if I notice some of my my older clients, they tend to have that what you're talking about the needing to know everything and needing to to do everything right, but then not knowing how to do it. They seem to have a lot more anxiety around that than my younger clients. That sense that you're meant to know what you're doing and you can't admit that you don't. Mm -hmm. I agree. There's a generational component to that. If, yeah. if we're in deep generalization territory, yeah. I agree. And it's oh, it's just so. Mhm. Mm yeah, and like I, I will get, I'll get clients coming in, especially sort of baby boomer generation. They come in, they want to learn, they want me to teach them things, and then halfway through the session, they have to slip it in that oh, I could baby, I could teach you a thing or two though. You know, I could, I could teach you, and I could show you a good time, and and they have to sort of say something like this, even though they've come to me for lessons to learn from me. There's still that that pull to to needing to, to tell me that they can teach me something or they could give me a good time, regardless of what it is that I'm teaching them. It's almost as if their identity is tied to, to this. Even though they've come to me for the answers, they can still give me the answers. Mm. Hard spot to learn from, hey? Yeah, and I, I mean, I do get that with some of the younger clients, but it tends to be the older clients that are bringing this in a lot. And the younger clients, they're like, oh, I should know this, but all right, teach me. And that, but that's still um, relating it to people that are empowered enough or curious enough to be approaching a yeah, professional to for tuition, etc. Mm -hmm. Whilst there's still a mass of people that um, are too scared, too mm -hmm. timid, too ashamed, too um, insecure to approach a professional and admit that they need. Yeah. tuition or guidance or or um, more more support in learning the skills that they need. So, and then that's why they're behaving like dicks as well because yeah. they're scared <laughs> and and insecure and inhibited and yeah. yeah. And then on those occasions where they do put their hand up and say, "Hey, we need some more help with this topic here," if what they get met with is a sense of, "Well, why don't you piss off with your male privilege? You've already mm. got like all everything there is to do with sex." Mm. Yeah, it doesn't really help. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a snake that eats itself. It is. Yeah, mm. it is. It is. Mm. Um, 
I um, was reflecting the other day on uh, I was I was looking on the um, internet, uh, which is this thing that a lot of people have these days, <laughs> um, and I found a page where someone was writing up the responses they were getting from a dating site from men. So this was a person I'm, I'm assuming identified as a woman on a dating site, and they were getting responses and posting them in a humiliating way was, mm -hmm. was the content of their website. Uh, basically what, a way of saying, uh, look at all the stupid things men do. Um, and, you know, like to be fair, like a whole bunch of them were really, um, shall we say, not great approaches. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they wouldn't be approaches that would work on me. I think that whole dating realm is a good idea of coming back to the question of why are men such fucking dicks. Um, it is an incredible experience though. If you give someone, if you don't give them great communication skills to uh, like articulate what they're thinking about and if they've been shamed for every one of their advances in the past and if they've just sent out 50 approaches and been rejected um, and 45 of those rejections would have just been non-responses, two of them would have been well structured, thank you but no thank you, and two of them would have been fuck off, how dare you approach me, you're disgusting, like kind of level of mm -hmm. hatred. Put yourself in that person's position and it's a bloody hard ask to get yeah. on a dating site and do a good job of it after that experience. There is so much hatred and anger swirling around in those mm. single dudes out there looking for stuff. Oh, God, I feel for them. Mm. Mm. And again, it comes back to something I've heard you talk about on a previous episode, Charlotte, about if you meet negativity with negativity, anyway. Yeah, it's the yeah. self-eating snake. Self-eating snake. Mm. <laughs> Any other thoughts on the uh, on the topic? I think it's easier to be a dick when you're sitting behind a, to use their language, uh, computer. Mm. Easier, like easier. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. This, this this lack of responsibility for what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There are some horrible impersonal people <laughs> on the internet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that the social skills, the more we move into technologically mediated forms of communication and socialization, our social skills are going to just go down, down the tube as well. Yeah. It's like, what about real lived experiences? What about, you know, human to human contact? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Just lastly, to close, um, um, coming back to the question of the person that asked that question and, and assuming that there are some some strong and some difficult experiences that led to that question. Uh, someone owes you an apology, so it might as well be me. I'm sorry that you have had those experiences from those people. It's not right. Thank you for listening to Curious Conversations About Sex. So, uh, Charlotte, perhaps if you can say a little more about what you do and where people can find you. Sure. Um, so, as I've mentioned, I'm a fetish escort and experiential erotic educator. Uh, I've spent a lot of time, most of my career, as a sensory specialist making artwork um, and now I direct that into collaborating with clients in uh, personalised erotic explorations um, in all sorts of realms of fantasy, fetish, BDSM and girlfriend experiences. There's a broad range there. And I also really love educating people how to develop new pathways to pleasure and enrich their relationships. Mm, wonderful. And um, where can people find you? 
charlottesway.net. Great. And Lorraine, would you be able to tell us a little more about what you like to do? So I'm a somatic sex educator with a background in erotic dance. I help people enrich their sex lives in a variety of different ways, depending on what the person wants to achieve. Some people want to have a coaching session, so they chat about things that are bothering them, ask for advice and learn new techniques. And other people come in for sexological bodywork sessions. So what is sexological bodywork? Well, it's quite tricky to describe to people who've never received this type of touch before, especially if their only frame of reference is a medical examination or touch from a lover. So sexological bodywork sits in the middle of this spectrum if you think of these two types of touch as the different polarities. Um, And sexological body workers in Australia are governed by the Somatic Sex Educators Association Australia. Um, So sexological bodywork sessions can be really helpful for people who are happy with their sex life but they want to learn something new to deepen their experience of sex. And it can also help with a variety of issues that people can be struggling with, such as difficulty receiving penetrative sex, learning to have more choice around ejaculation from any gender, learning how to receive and enjoy touch. So if people want to contact me, they can reach me through my website, which is www.lorrainep.com.au. And that's spelled just like the quiche, L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E-P.com.au.